Amen? It's what it is all about, and you want to let, uh, you know, it's easy to let religion sneak into it all, even without us knowing. You know, we all don't think I have a religious bone in my body until we really start looking at what that looks like. We're going to talk about that. I'm going to finish up my, this sermon in this area here today, but with what I believe to be the point of it all, the, the most important point of all of that. And so I want to just go out, let's go ahead and just dive into this. You guys took up some of my time in worship. I'm just kidding. I'm not shortening anything. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and read the scripture here and then we'll pray. In verse 27 of Luke chapter 5, you can follow along on, your, on the app and go to the sermon notes and uh, follow along with us. Verse 27, after this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth and he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a large number of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call the right, not to call the right, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is alive. Thank you that you have sent it here, Lord God, and you've scattered your seed. Let us receive that seed, Lord God, into our hearts, and then, Lord God, let it begin to minister in our thoughts and help us to receive, Lord God, the truth of that to our hearts and souls. I pray that your word do, Lord, what no man can. And Lord, we are thankful that if we hear nothing else today, we have heard your word. You have spoke to us, and I thank you for that today, in Jesus' name, amen? amen? So over the past few weeks, we have been talking about this scripture here and taking a look at what it is that God Almighty came into this world to do. God himself came into this world, took upon himself flesh, was born of a virgin, and came into this world to be a missionary. Jesus came into this world, and he was on mission. He had a purpose in everything that he did. Therefore, he was on mission. And as a missionary, Jesus came into this world to save us, to bring salvation to us, to restore us to the lost relationship that sin brought and broke between us and the Father. And he came to restore that. And so what he came to do, he has now called us then to be lights to that as well. And so he calls you and I in the same fashion that Jesus came as a missionary. Jesus left the culture of heaven and came to the culture of earth he left he left salvation eternal life to come here into this sinful world and now he has saved us and he calls us in that same way to be missionaries to realize that we are left here he has left us here to be on mission to shine Jesus Christ into the world that he has placed us with therefore we are missionaries and if we want to be good missionaries we need to do it like Jesus did it and so we need to learn from him the first thing we learned was that we need to be followers of Jesus listen you can't be on mission if you're not following Jesus because if you're not following Jesus you're following something and it's not Jesus. All right? I mean, 
Write that down. <laughs> also, start a group. Look, I mean, he calls you, he saves you, and he calls you into the ministry. He calls you. To have, listen, you can't be a missionary if you're on a missionary to someone. Your purpose is to go out into the world and to be a missionary to those who are unsaved. And so you don't need to wait and get, you know, this and that and put all these things in place and I got to get this license and that license. No, you be a missionary right where you are. If you're saved, you're on duty. Amen. You're on duty. That's what he's called you to. And then the third thing that we learn is, is about repentance. And we repent, we repent, we repent. And we'll talk more about this, but listen, we repent when we come to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we repent for the forgiveness of our sin, the sin nature that is in us, and we are restored into this relationship with God. That is what we are positionally. We are positionally forgiven. But we walk through this life in a place of daily repentance to walk into the depth, into the closeness of the relationship that God has for us. Learning to say no to sin and yes to God so that as we, we draw closer to that place, or closer to that image that we already are. Did you guys, did, we, did that miss in translation there? So we'll talk more about repentance here in a little bit. But the scribes and the Pharisees were here, and we talked last week about those guys, and those guys did not like what Jesus was doing. They didn't like the crowd that Jesus was hanging with. They didn't like Jesus going into this community that Jesus was engaging and sharing with. They didn't like these people that Jesus was hanging out with. Jesus was eating and drinking with people that they didn't approve of. And that's why I finished last week, we talked about the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, where we're told that God chose the lowly, God chose the weak, God chose the despised, the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. And so God, in this relational place that he wants to bring us, God, he comes into this world and God picks nobodies and he makes somebodies because he loves everybody's. Religion looks at everybody's, picks those who are somebodies to look down on nobodies. Big difference. And you know what? The religious people don't get it. They just don't get it. They're still like, what is, what is going on? What in the world? And it comes down to this. And, and you know, probably some of us have thought this. Think about, you know, what I'm going to say and then think about the way that you may have looked at some people or looked at some people groups or looked at some people in certain kinds of sin. But they were looking at Jesus and they were looking at the disciples and going, how can God love those people? Come on, how many of us have looked at those people and had those thoughts in our natural mind? And that's what these religious people were looking at. How can God love those people? Because that's the way God is. Amen. That is what God is. God is love. And God is not just the kind of love that we think. God is a pure, free, grace kind of love. It's an agape love. And apart from him, we don't know agape love. We, we just can't understand that. All of our loves have to do with you give and I take, and I take and you give, and it's a back and forth kind of love that we have. But Jesus gave. He gave his life. 
even for those who would never receive it. He's a pure, free grace. You know, I think that sometimes we get this confused. Sometimes we think that God's up in heaven and, and, and God's looking down over the earth and, and God looks and he's just picking people out. He's going, oh, listen, when God saw you, I'm sorry to break, burst this bubble, but when God saw you, he, he didn't think you were lovely. Just, just so you know, he, he didn't look down and go, oh, I need him. I need her. <laughs> no, you know what? He looked down and he saw you in the place that you were, in the form that you were, and he loved you and he chased you and he came after you and he loved you and he loved you and he loved you until you became lovely. He's the one who does that. He's the one who moves in that way. That's how God works. And listen, that's contrary to our religious mindset, which we all have a propensity to flow into, all of us. So these guys are in this place where they're, the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, they're, they're grumbling about this whole thing. They're just upset. You know, they don't like it. And, and we can hear it in the scripture here. They're complaining. How can he possibly do this? Here's another one that we often can, can say or, or think. We'll think this. You know, how can he do this? Good religious people aren't supposed to eat with sinners. Good religious people don't eat with those people. And that's what these guys are saying. Look at what they say in verse 30. It says, he eats and drinks with them. Now, again, we're going to, I don't know if we're going to step on any sacred toes, but we, we need to look at something here because that statement, even right there, can, can, could get him in trouble then and it can get us in trouble now if we don't understand this. Because am I saying then or is Jesus saying, well, you know, am I encouraging you to, to gluttony and drunkenness? Let me ask you this. Was Jesus accused of drunkenness and gluttony? Yes. He was. He, Jesus, if falsely accused, please, he was never a glutton, he was never drunk. He never sinned, but he was accused of that. And there's a lot of times in our life where we're going to be accused of things that we didn't do or that we didn't say or that never happened, that people's perception will make accusations. And when we are accused of things that did not happen, we are in good company. Okay, it's just, it is. But Jesus, he, he didn't overeat and he didn't overdrink. But the scripture does tell us that he did eat and drink. Right? Come on, amen, stay with me. But I also want you to see this. Jesus ate and drank with the sinners, but Jesus was not sinning. Okay, he didn't sin. When he was doing what he was doing, he didn't sin. And again, I, I saw this issue here that we need to talk about. It's something that we can't avoid. It's, a, it's something that um, you know, we, we probably could be divided on, half the room over here and half the room over here. But we have to, and because it's important to the ministry of Jesus and the ministry that Jesus called us to, that we thread this needle. This whole needle uh, about the issue of alcohol. 
and drinking and that whole thing got quiet. <laughs> oh boy. I know y'all like, like which, side's the aisle, which side of the aisle is he on? I know, am I going to agree? I know you're already trying to figure, am I going to agree with him or disagree with him? I don't know. It depends on whether he's on my side or not. Uh-uh, I'm sorry. That's not it. I'm gonna, I want to share the truth with you. Underage drinking is a sin. It's a sin. Romans 13 tells us to obey the government, to obey the authorities, to obey those that, get, that God has put over us, which is hard in the uh, environment that we live in today. But, hey, you know what? This was all written and spoken while the evil Roman government was over those there in Israel. So he knew what we were going through. All right? So don't, again, don't do that. Don't drink and drive. Okay? Don't do that. It's illegal. You will kill somebody or yourself. Don't, again, don't drink if you're underage. Don't sell alcohol to a minor. Don't buy alcohol for a minor. Don't give alcohol to a minor. Don't break the law. Okay, plain and simple. Obey the law. It's there. God is, he, he is the one that institutes those, and we need to obey. Don't become addicted to it. If you can't go without it, you got a problem. If it runs in your family, if addiction runs in your family, you know what? You have to look at it differently. But you can't become addicted to something like that because it begins to master you. And we're not supposed to be mastered by anything. Amen. Nothing. He commands us, don't get drunk. Okay, for some of you, that means a beer. You know what? You can't handle it. Oh, yes, I can. then why does everybody around you tell you you're a jerk after you have a beer? <laughs> Ephesians, it says, don't get drunk, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. What are you getting drunk for? I'll tell you this, everything, every single reason that you would have to get drunk, you will find the fulfillment of in the Holy Spirit's filling of your life. And guess what? The Holy Spirit comes with no sorrows attached to it. Nor does he come with a hangover. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let Holy Spirit fill you. And here's a hard one that, that, again, this is a truth as well. Don't cause others to stumble. Don't cause others to stumble. In Romans chapter 14, verse 21, it says, It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. So don't cause your brother to stumble. If you're, listen, if you're having a meal with somebody, and, and again, the, the Daily Dig today, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, if you're having a meal with somebody and their conscience doesn't permit them to drink, don't order a glass of wine. 
Be conscientious about somebody else. Doesn't the Bible tell us somewhere we're supposed to think more highly of others than ourselves? So are we really taking that other person into consideration when we just go ahead, no, no, I got them free in Christ to do this. <laughs> Don't do it. Again, I, and if you're at life group, and this is one of the reasons why, you know what, we've made no, no alcohol served at life groups. Okay? No. And then the reason that we don't do that is because I have no idea who's coming into your life group. I have no idea what sins they struggle with and what temptations they deal with. I have no idea. And I, as pastor, do not want to be responsible for the sin in that person because we open things up because we've got freedom. No, don't do it. So if somebody comes in and they're struggling with a, an issue of alcoholism in their life and they're trying to get over this, don't invite them out for a beer and chicken wings. Okay, don't do that. Think about somebody else. Think about what somebody else is going on. Don't order the glass of wine. Church, we, we have got to think of others and to put them into place. That's why, again, I, I, one of the reasons why we don't drink. One of them. And let me tell you, the, very, the first and the biggest reason that we don't drink is because uh, when I was younger, I abused that, and I couldn't stop drinking until the Holy Spirit came into my life and delivered me from that. But I don't want to ever put that to the test again, so I won't drink alcohol. So I know that alcoholism runs in my family. That was the last thing in the world that I ever wanted to do was to see my little girl, Lauren, as she was growing up, have to deal with an alcoholism that is a part of a generational um, outpouring or, out, or curse, you know, transferred to her because she saw it in mommy and daddy's refrigerator all her life. I, I just refused to, I just, again, you guys, this, I'm giving you my personal uh, opinions here. I'm not telling you what to do. But I, in my thoughts, and my, Joni and I just, I, the last thing in the world we ever wanted to do was to have our little girl open up the cupboard and have it full of uh, uh, hard liquor. Now, we weren't going to do it. I wasn't going to do that to my little girl. And, I, and, and as my two adopted kids, uh, I, I didn't know what kind of background they came from. I didn't want to put that in their life. In church, we can't just insist on our right to have a glass of wine. Because I'm free to have a glass of wine. And this may trouble some of you, but you, I think you need to deal with this. It's better to love people who are struggling than to exercise your freedoms in Christ. Amen. It's not freedom if you can't willingly give it up. Amen. Galatians 5.13 says, Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love, serve one another. That's what we're called to. Now listen, I'm gonna, again, this is that threading the needle here. Religious people wanna take away your right. No, if you're a part of the church, this is not allowed. You can't do that. Religious people wanna take away your right. Jesus Christ wants to give you rights, and then he calls you to willingly lay those rights down for the good of another. And that's what he calls us to. You know what? Occasionally, all each and every one of us, Jesus Christ laid down his rights for you and me, the rights of the kingdom to come into this world, to take upon himself flesh, to bear our sins and to die on a cross. 
That was not, those weren't his rights. He laid down his rights to freedom in that. And we have to be willing at times to give up the freedoms that we have that are even in Christ. We have to be willing to give those things away. Listen, I am free in Christ to do this or I am free in Christ to do that. But because I love you so much and I care about you so much, I am willing to lay that thing down. I am willing to lay that freedom down because I deem you more important than my freedom. Are we willing to do that? Listen, fellowship is more important than freedom. I'm not downplaying freedom. Please, don't take that out of context. I'm not downplaying that. Freedom is extremely important. Jesus, he, he died for our freedom. He died to set us free. And then called us in redemption as bondservants. Willing to say, okay, Jesus, when you call me to lay this down or lay that down, I'm willing to do whatever you say. Because church, listen, freedom is, more impo- or, or freedom is not as important as fellowship. Fellowship is more important than freedom because Jesus Christ died for people, not ideas. Amen. Religion wants us to die for ideas. Jesus died for people. Now, that being said, and I know that, uh, hey, I, this is one of these difficult places that I know as a pastor, I know the difficulty and I know why so many people have at times gone a different direction with this. Because as a pastor, it's really hard to trust the sheep. It's hard to trust the sheep. I mean, again, because I want you to do the right thing with what I'm about to say. And sometimes people will take what I say and use it as a reason to do the wrong thing. So this is the statement. It's not wrong for you to have a glass of wine. It's not a sin. Again, if God has told you not to, it it is, but it's not a sin to have a glass of wine. But let me also give you this warning. In a healthy perspective, be careful. Don't be a habitual drinker. If you can't not drink, then you shouldn't drink. Okay, that's a habit. That's habitual and it's controlling you. Don't hit the hard liquor so badly that you blow out your liver. That's what the Bible calls foolishness. So don't be a fool. Don't put God to the test in something. Don't use your freedoms to destroy the temple of the Holy Spirit. Don't use your freedoms to destroy another person. Don't use your freedoms to give somebody else the reason to destroy their temple. Don't do that. Now, again, I say all that to come back to the story because we find Jesus at a party. Okay, he, he's, he's at this party hosted by Levi, this tax collector who just got saved, and he's invited all of these crazy-looking characters into this party. You know, tax collectors and others. Come on, anybody else been an other before? I was thinking about what this party must have looked like, and I, and. and can you imagine in today's world if this party was going on and in that time there they had cell phones and cell phone cameras? 
can you imagine the pictures that would be taken? The, the scribe standing outside the window, taking these pictures, and, and they got Jesus in the party, sitting there, laying back, because that's what they did then. They lounged back, and Jesus lounging back, and you know maybe he's got a ham sandwich here, and, and he's got a glass of wine, and, and just as he's about to tip it up, there, like, pictures are being taken, and next thing you know, it's all over Twitter. It's all over Facebook. The news media, I mean, they're just posting all this stuff, and the Christians are going crazy. Oh, this, I can't believe it. Jesus, we had so much higher hopes for you than this. Oh, I cannot believe, Jesus, what's going on here? This is a scandal. This is a scandal. What a, look at this situation, the picture that they took. I can't believe what's going on. Look at the place where Jesus is hanging out. And look at the people that Jesus is hanging out with. And look at what he's eating. And look at what he is drinking. I, I am, I'm so glad that the scribes took that picture and the Pharisees posted it. Because now we know. Now we know. And you know what? Jesus wasn't sinning. Come on, we got to get this through our mind. He wasn't sinning, he didn't sin. And again, we're, we're threading a needle here, okay? So I want to be really, really careful because I, I, I know that some of you need to take your, your own condition into account when I say this. But church, that's what missionaries do. Missionaries are in the culture, but they're not of the culture. Missionaries are in the world but they're not of the world. Missionaries come into the place with a purpose and a plan, but they, that's not the rules that they live by. Missionaries are in the culture, but listen, they're not sinning. Come on, amen? They're not in sin. But what is sin? I mean, I know Joni and I were talking about this, and, and we were... I was just kind of using the quiz on her and going back and forth. Well, what is sin? And, and you know, all of those reasons that come up, you know, that's, this is, you know, it's the target, the bullseye, you know, we've all heard that one. And, and, and again, I'm not, please don't, I'm not making light of that or nor am I making, those are all true and those are wonderful. But what does that mean? What, you know, what is sin? What, what is sin? And, and it really comes down to this. Sin is doing what God said don't do. We see this in the garden. God said, you know what? Everything else you got, take a, But that one thing, that one tree, don't do it. What did they do? They did what God said don't do. And it became sin. It, sin came into the world. And now each and every one of us are born in the nature, in the seed, by the seed of Adam. And we all are born into this world in sin. But sin is also this. It's not doing what God told you to do. Okay, in James chapter 4, verse 17, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. I mean, that's what the scripture says. Romans 14, 23, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So church, you are in the line of Jesus. You are a missionary, and we are called to be on mission. And we are on mission all the time. And missionaries are with sinners. He wants you. Listen, this is, 
This here, this is where we get encouraged. This is where we get filled up. This is where we should come to get blessed so that we can go out there and do what God has called you to do. The evangelistic plan for this world doesn't happen in here. It happens out there. The evangelistic plan that God has for this world doesn't come through me. It comes through you as you go out and begin to do, all of us, what God has called us to do in the world that he's placed us, that he's called us to be a missionary in. But do not sin with them. What we do is we walk by faith. And this is the faith that we have. The faith that says, you know what? Everything that I do by faith, everything I do, I am believing and trusting is helping to bring people to Jesus. Helping to see Jesus come. Are Are we doing what we do to lead people to Jesus? Are we walking in the freedoms that we have to lead people to Jesus? Are we laying down the freedoms that we have in order to see people come to Jesus? Or are we taking the freedoms that we have and using them simply for our personal pleasure? Is it for our flesh? Or is it for the good of someone else? There's a big difference there. I want you to know that this is what Jesus does. He had a plan. He had a purpose. And he was on mission all the time. Amen? Amen. Now also, let me go into this. Jesus is also, we know, the great physician. Amen? Jesus, the great physician. And listen to what he says here in verse 31. And Jesus answered them, but those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, I personally believe that Jesus is being a little sarcastic here. (laughs) I think he's kind of, you know, I think the irony of this is, you know, he's looking at these religious people and they're saying, why are you with the sinners? Why aren't you over here with us saints? You know what? Those people that made that statement, why are you with the sinners? They didn't know that they were sinners too. They didn't. And see, religious people don't know and understand that religion is one of the worst sins that we can fall into. All religion does is reveal our desperate need for a savior. I mean, that's what the law did. That's what the, and and man turned it into this religious thing that it didn't bring any help to anybody. And so Jesus, and I love this about the whole part of the statement that he made. And Jesus is like, okay, you say they're sinners. You know what? You're right. They are sinners. These people are sinners. He doesn't argue about it. You know, one thing that Jesus, he doesn't do, he doesn't argue about sin. He also doesn't justify it. You know, he doesn't say, yeah, you know what? I know. I know he's a drunk, but... You know, he had issues growing up and things have been tough, but, but, he lo- but, but he loves God. Well, I know that she's living with her boyfriend, but you know, her dad left when she was little and she's got daddy issues and men issues. And so, you know, she really does what, you know, she really knows to do, but she's got a good heart. Come on, how many of you have heard that one before? 
Oh, I know he's got anger issues, but he grew up in a rough neighborhood. He grew up with a rough, you know, rough situation in his home. You know, it, it, but he really is a good dad. Jesus doesn't say any of that. This is one thing that you will find is that Jesus, he never excuses people's sin. He knows he died for their sin. It, co- it was going to ca- cost him his life. There was, it's separating them from the Father. Jesus didn't excuse sin. He called it out. He called sin, sin. He didn't blame others for sin. He didn't excuse sin. He didn't deny sin. He didn't minimize sin. But he looks at the Pharisees and and he's like, you know, you say they're sinners. You know what? I agree. You're right. These people have a lot of sin in their life. The question is, what are we going to do about it? And what are we going to do about it, church? Are we going to create nice little holy huddles? Are we going to create churches that are just for the Christians? Bible studies just for Christians? Life just for Christians? Events that are just for the Christians? Or are we going to take the assignment that he's given us as missionaries and are we going to go to them? Are we going to go out and go into this world and reach out there and help somebody? Not expecting everybody to just come here. They're not going to. Just tell you, they're not going to. Not the way God wants to see people saved. God doesn't want to see the church added to. He wants to see the church multiplied. And that doesn't happen by how many come through these doors. It, 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 that happens by how many come through these doors. Yes. Are we reaching out? See, Jesus is saying, you know what? Are, are, are we going to go to the world? Are we going to go party like Levi and I did? When we went out there to that party and we loved on those people and we served those people and we helped those people? Because Jesus is saying, because here's the deal. Those people are sick, and they need a doctor. Well, guess what? I'm the doctor. That's what Jesus was telling them. And I find this amazing analogy in all of this. In verse 31, it says, says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Now, again, if I was a doctor... And I was here, and, and I was surrounded by all these sick people, all sorts of illnesses, all sorts of sicknesses, all sorts of diseases, all sorts of people, and they were just all around me. How many of you would look at me and go, wow, that is one horrible doctor? Now, you would look at a doctor that's surrounded by sick people, and you'd say, you know what? That's the kind of doctor that I want. I want a doctor who cares about the sick, who cares about the hurting. I want a doctor that's going to help and bring some healing. And that's what a good doctor does. A good doctor is surrounded by those who are sick, and they reach out and help to make them better. Well, church, Jesus is the great physician. He's the great physician. Guess what? He hangs out with sick sinners, and he heals their disease. And people looked at Jesus as he was surrounded by sick sinners and said, what a horrible, horrible Messiah. He can't be. 
Jesus is the great physician. He hangs out with sinners because he wants to heal their disease. He's the only one that can. Church, he's the only one that can save us. He's the only one that can heal us. He's the only one that can deliver us. He's the only one that can transform us. He's the only one that can change us. He's the only one that can give us eternal life. He's the only one that can forgive us of all of our sins. And that is what Jesus does. He forgives sinners and heals them of this disease of sin. It's what he does. And religious people, they need him just as bad. Just as bad. The people that were outside the party needed Jesus just as bad as those who were inside the party. Because church, it doesn't matter. Each and every one of them, the, the people outside just didn't know it. But we're all born sinners. We're all born into this world as sinners. Every single one of us. You are a sinner by nature because you were born of the seed of Adam. But you're also a sinner by choice. There's not a single one of us in this place that wasn't born with the nature of sin. And it's proven by the fact that there's not a single one of us in there that hasn't become a sinner by choice as well. Each and every one of us. We are all sick with sin. All of us. And we need the great physician. We need Jesus to come in grace. We need Jesus to give us what we don't deserve. And we can't just look at other people that are in their sin, people that are lost and bound in sin, and look at them like religious people do and say, you know what, those people, they're sick. So we need to quarantine from them. This isn't COVID here. <laughs> we, we do that though. How many of us in our Christian life have found that we have less and less and less and less and less and less unsaved people in our lives? And that can come from one of two things. Either we're just getting people saved come on. Yeah. or we're excluding the unsaved. Again, I'm simplifying a complex issue there. So please don't, I, I understand that there's a lot of things that go with that. But we have got to be willing to look at ourselves. To say, you know what? I am a sinner. And for some, you know what? I, I am sick. But maybe it's a kind of sickness that's different than other people's sicknesses. Maybe this person over here is, is sick with alcoholism. Well, maybe I'm addicted to self-righteousness. Maybe this person over here is, they're, they're sick with pornography. Well, maybe I'm sick with a judgmental spirit that puts myself in this self-professed place of divinity, judging who is worthy and who is not worthy of the kingdom of God, who deserves grace and who doesn't deserve grace. Have we put ourselves in that place? You see, the truth is, is that we all have this sickness. We all have this propensity and I love this. You know what? We, we all have this sin. The people inside and the people outside the house, they all had the sin. But at least the people that were there with Jesus at Levi's party, at least they knew it. At least they acknowledged it. And I think that's a great place to start. Acknowledging, Lord, I am a sinner and I need a Savior. Amen. Religious people will struggle with that. No, I've kept the rules. I've kept the laws. My name is on their, the, the registration. 
And we struggle to see religion as a sin. The rule-making, the rule-keeping, their zealous devotion to this teacher or that teacher or this author or this whatnot, I mean, to this group or this tribe, all of it, we refuse. It's so hard for people like that to see it as a sin. You know what? You will never repent of something that you don't know or understand to be sin. That's why it's so important that we understand what sin is. And Jesus is saying that we all need to repent. I mean, but we, you know, we look at repentance and we think, repentance, oh, you know, oh, that's an ugly word. Repentance is not an ugly word. It's not a negative. Repentance is the most positive thing that we have in our life. Repentance is where, when it's not about what we turn away from, it's about the one that we turn to. We have this opportunity in repentance to turn to him and come face to face with the Savior, to come into a live relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords who wants to redeem our soul and give us eternal life. We have in repentance this powerful opportunity to walk with him and to talk with him and to see our lives conformed by him yes. Martin Luther wrote in the, the 95 Thesis again the beginning of the Protestant Reformation he, he wrote this he said all of a Christian's life is one of repentance it's not a repentance over and over again for salvation. Once we, when we don't know Jesus Christ and we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we acknowledge our sinfulness and we ask for his forgiveness and he brings a transformation in our life and we are saved, we are set apart and our sin has been forgiven. And then the rest of our life, listen, that one's about eternal life. The rest of our life, we walk in this place of repentance because I want to keep on the path that God has called me to and this flesh keeps wanting to get me off track i got this battle inside of me that's going on. And it's not a place of salvation repentance. It's a place of relational repentance. Because I want to stay, Lord God, in this place where I am following you. So God, show me where I'm off. Show me where I've missed it. Show me where I'm in sin. Show me what you're wanting to see removed from my life. Show me where I'm not following you. Show me where I'm not obeying you. Lord, show me the areas of my life where I have not acknowledged you as my scribe the absolute highest authority in my life not because I want to be saved over and over and over again like we hear people say this all the time I think I said this in the first service but I don't know if I said it to you earlier or not I'll say it again just to make sure people struggle with this what if Oh, man, I forgot about that sin when I was in junior high. Oh, I didn't repent of that. What happens? Or what if I'm driving down the road and my thoughts overtake me and I sin in my thoughts and I get into a car crash and I didn't get to repent? I'm doomed. Church, that's not the way it works. Okay, Jesus Christ, in repentance, Jesus Christ seals our soul. He comes into our life and he gives us eternal life. 
and we spend the rest of that time. He is for we are forgiven of our sins, past, present, and future. But now in our time, the, the time we have on this earth, we walk in the light every day. We walk in a place, a heart of repentance because God, I don't want anything to come between us because I just love you so much. I don't want to miss a moment with you. I just don't, Lord, I just don't want to miss anything because I love you so much. And I'm walking in this place of repentance because I want to get rid of the dirt and the filth and the junk that rises up in me because that's not who I am. Who I am is who God has created me to be. He gave me new life. He said the old is gone, the new has come. This is who I am and I'm going to spend the rest of this life learning to walk as I am in Christ. It calls us to that kind of repentance. Repentance is simply this, changing my mind. Okay, this is good news. We get in this life, we walk in repentance. And that's saying, and again, this may rock some of your worlds a little bit, but repentance is saying, Jesus, you're right and I'm wrong. Amen. It's saying this, Scripture, you're right and I'm wrong. Amen. It's repent. It's saying, okay, God, I choose to acknowledge it. You're right. And I'm going to change this. So, church, is there hope for sinners? Yes. Come on, is there? Yes. We, we see it in Scripture, don't we? Hey, Levi, he was saved. Jesus called him. Levi was saved. And, G and then Levi goes right into the ministry. Do you know what Jesus did or what Levi did? Levi, right away, took Jesus right into the middle of a bunch of sinners. Oh, come on, make that statement personal. And now he's called you to take Jesus into the middle of a bunch of sinners. Because you know what happened in that room at Levi's house? Every one of those that were there got to make the choice to receive Jesus. There was hope to each and every one of them. Why? Because Levi brought Jesus into the middle of their gathering. So there's hope for sinners. What about for the religious people? Is there hope for the religious people? Those standing outside waiting and looking? Is there hope for them? Yes. Yeah, there actually is. There's a story in the Bible about a Pharisee who got saved. This Pharisee, his name was Saul, but his name was changed to Paul. Amen. This guy was so radically changed that God had to change his name. Come on, this guy was stoning Christians. He, 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 was, he was the guy holding the coats and rooting on the people that were stoning a church deacon named Stephen. And God just, I mean, came into his life. And he says this in his testimony in Philippians chapter 3. He goes through and he's talking about all the things that he was, all the things that he had done, all the accomplishments and all the accolades. He comes down, he says, you know what? I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I was devoted. And you know what? I was dead wrong. And the King James says it this way. It's all just dung. All of it. It's rubbish. 
And as Paul grows in this relationship with Jesus, from the Damascus Road right on through into a a Roman prison and all the things that happened in his life, as Paul was nearing the end of his life, he's, he's finishing up the things that God had called him to do, and he's writing these epistles and these letters, and two of the last letters that towards the end of Paul's life Towards the end of it all, you, you would have found him in First and Second Timothy writing to his beloved Timothy. And you would think after all these years of faithful walking with God, all of the revelation that he had received, all of the visions that he had, all of the closeness that he had with Jesus. I mean, if you read the letters of Paul and you, the epistles of Paul, you, you're just confounded with how a man could really exude that kind of grace in the midst of what he was in. We look at those letters and we forget that he wrote many of those letters while chained between two guards, while he was in fetters, imprisoned. And you would have thought by the time he was down to the end of his life and he's writing to Timothy, you would think that he would say, you know what, by the grace of God, Jesus Christ came into my life and Jesus Christ has ministered to my spirit and I no longer have any need to repent because I no longer have any sin in me. You know what? Instead, this is what he writes in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of who I am the foremost. Look, the closer that you get to Jesus, the longer you follow Jesus, the more intimate the relationship you have, the more you realize that in this flesh, I'm not like him. And I want to be. And that's why I need to be found in Christ. That's why I need to receive by grace what he has poured out for me and given into my life. Because in this lifetime, I mean, let's face it, I have been forgiven of my sin. I, I have received eternal life in my life. But I still deal with sin. I have to deal with my thoughts. I have to deal with my choices. I have to deal with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And in this lifetime, I need to deal with that. That's why, you know what, I needed in the very beginning, I needed the great physician to come bring healing in my life. But just like in this world, you know what, we need a continued place where we're being ministered to by the doctor, the great doctor. Jesus Christ still wants to come and he still needs to minister in our flesh. He still needs to minister healing over and over again in us. Because I I get sick with selfishness. I get sick with pride. I get sick with arrogance. I get sick with anger. I get sick with these things and I need the great physician because I can't heal myself. I can't. I need Jesus, the healer. I need him for my salvation, but I need him for my walk so that I can walk in the mission that he has called me to and set me apart to walk in. And when Jesus comes and Jesus brings healing, he continually makes us more and more and more like him. He transforms our life and he ministers to us in a way that we could never find apart from him. Worship team, would you come back up, please? I want to finish, the last thing that I want to just finish with is is this statement here, is that I want you to know that you are welcome and you are loved. You are loved. Jesus loves you. And so do I. So 
as I close with this, I, I composed a list. A list that I hope and that I believe will include all of you. Every single one of us. Because I want you to know that for the people that were at Levi's party that day, for the people that were outside Levi's party looking in the windows, for the people that were standing up the street that day, watching those that were coming and going at Levi's party, to all the girls who walk the streets, to all the guys who walk the streets, to every drunk, to every addict, to every pervert, to every victim, to every porn star, to every prostitute, to every adulterer, to every thief, to every glutton, to every Twilight fan. To all the murderers and to all the mama's boys, to the losers, to the freaks, to the geeks, to the people who think big time wrestling is real. To every redneck, to every man who plays with action figures, to every chain smoker, to every beer guzzler, to every whiskey shooter, to every one of you that text and drive and And then don't even use your turn signal. <laughs> to every man who lives with his mother. To every woman who gets paid in dollar bills. To dudes in dresses. To Democrats. To Republicans. To guys at the gym who can't stop looking at themselves in the mirror. To every Mormon who wears their sacred underwear. Whoever is responsible for creating spandex biking shorts. <laughs> to every guild leader, to every yoga instructor, to every witch, to every pothead, to every crackhead, to every methhead, to every deadhead, to every meathead. To all of you Trekkies. To all of the people who don't recycle. To those rainbow-loving, tree-hugging, Prius-driving leftists. <laughs> to all of you who have no idea what I'm talking about because they didn't cover these issues on Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> or bring it up during homeschool curriculums. I have good news for you. You are welcome. And Jesus loves you. You know, you'll fit right in. And because Jesus died for your sins, you now have the privilege of repenting. He's calling your name and he's calling you, hey, hey, just, just, just turn around. Stop worrying about all the other stuff. Oh, I got to do this and I got, no, 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 no. Jesus is saying, just repent. Just turn around. I'll deal with the junk. I'll deal with that. I shared with a friend last week how, you know what? 
We got to stop trying to fight all the things that Jesus forgave us. Stop worrying about all the things that we can't stop and can't quit and can't get over and start doing what you can do. You know what? You can turn around. You can face Jesus. You can say, Jesus, I need you. You can. He'll deal with all the other stuff. You know the reason that Jesus came to die for our sins, for all that other stuff? The reason that he had to come and die for it is because there was nothing you could do about it. So why do we spend most of our Christian life trying to do this and that and all these other things about something that we can't do anything about and that Jesus died for so that we can put it into his hands and that we can just commit ourselves, Lord, I'm just going to follow you. I give up on trying all this other stuff. I just got to follow you. Oh, and watch what he does in your life because that's the place of transformation transforms us and then he gives us this privilege through ongoing repentance to continually be transformed and to walk after him what an amazing privilege we have with an amazing God who loves you and you are welcome will you let him transform your life let's pray Lord, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this time together, and I thank you for the hearts of each and every one that's here. And Lord, I pray that even now, and listen, this is just personal between you and God. I don't be thinking of anybody else right now. This is just personal between you and God, you and Jesus. Don't think about, oh, I wish my friend was here, or I wish my husband or wife was here. No, no this is between you and him. Don't let a religious spirit sneak in there. Just tell Lord God, I receive your forgiveness today. I receive the cleansing that comes as I repent before you and receive the fullness of your grace. Come into my life, Lord God. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I turn to you, the great physician. And Lord, if all this be true, I want to receive you into my life. I'm apart from you, Lord. Oh, I know of you. But I, I want to know you. Maybe you've walked away. Maybe you have been off. Maybe you've been running and you've been just off doing your thing because some sin crept into your life and you did like Adam and Eve and you've been hiding. Hiding in the weeds. And you, you found that it led you to the pig pen. Look, he's still there with you. When you repent and you turn around, you're going to find out that he was right there with you the whole time. Look, he's not leaving you and he's not forsaking you. And either he's going to lead you on that heavenly path that he's called you to or you're going to lead him into the pig pen. But either way, he says, I am sticking closer than a brother. Will you receive? Come home. Come home. Oh, don't let that religious spirit want to sneak in. And... You know what? If you, if you know in your own heart whether you've been separated from Him, come home. 
God, we receive you. personal call.
And I know I am so wonderfully surrounded by some of the best and most beautiful people that God has, has given us such a gift in each other and in you. And I entrust you today with the call of God to say, go, 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 go be the church. God bless you. If you need prayer, don't hesitate. Step out, come. I'd love to pray with you. Have a great, beautiful day. Find yourself a life group and get plugged in. God bless y'all.